Hi and welcome to Squaring the Circle, a podcast about how business owners in the creative industry balance the art and the business. On this episode, I speak to singer, band manager and podcaster Paul Waller. We have a great chat about using jealousy to fuel your art, how to sustain and cultivate passion in your work and why Spotify and other streaming sites are not the enemy to the music industry. I'm your host, Benjamin Bowles from Benjamin Film and Photography, and welcome to Squaring the Circle. How difficult do you find it balancing the art and the business? Um, I've never found it difficult. Um, it's, it's a weird thing. I've never, never found that to be a problem. There's lots of problems um, that can potentially arise, but it's one of the I think when you get to a level where you can make money from it you've already conquered that I think you wouldn't be able to get to that level if it was that a real ridiculous juggle of of like how can I do this like how can I fit that time in I think you've already solved that problem by the time you get there but that's it really I'm pretty confident with all that sort of stuff it's I find it really simple but do you find it simple because you think the art and the business are kind of one of one of the same thing. It hundred percent is. So it's all part of the same thing. If you're going to be running anything from a band to um, you know a flower shop, you wouldn't, you shouldn't do it. Should I say, if you're not passionate about it, because you're going to burn out really quick. Like something where you're going to be making just even the smallest of profits is not enough to keep that passion and you know for instance if you're good at what you do people are going to find out about it and they're going to keep wanting to come to you for, for whatever it is you do and you can straight away see like i can whenever i contact people if people are burnt out if they're a little bit flaky and that's all because that passion that spark that made you want to do it in the first place is gone and i think it's really obvious no matter what the profession when that happens a counter to that, though. So you say, um, if the passion's gone or you're burnt out. So do you think, well, from your point of view, and we'll come on to the management a bit later on, because that's why this chat will be really interesting. Because you started in bands and now you've gone into the management. Mm-hmm. But if you if you're talking about passion um, and when you see that fire in the eye that's gone, basically, do you think that the business side or the money side can keep that passion going? Because what you hear from people in the creative industry is that the opposite in some ways that that the money brings brings you down because you're creating for other people um whereas what actually keeps the passion going is the personal projects is the stuff that uh, is good for the soul i think that the money can be the passion for a lot of people if you're having success that can overtake the actual art so the fact that you're getting the success, the art might be just second nature for you and it might eventually get stagnant because you're doing it to make that money. But that that act of actually getting money in your pocket, that first time is a complete buzz and it's really addictive because you're doing something that you love and you're creating an income from it. And then all of a sudden that might overtake the actual passion for the job that you're doing. That doesn't matter because there's still that passion and it's still that fire as soon as you're just doing things because that's how I'm going to get by, 
everything it can affect everything right so even if the money was at the top that can i was obviously going to affect you um as a photographer for instance like your, your passion's not going to be there anymore but maybe the money's just this little bit of extra stuff that you're getting you know but then that might get you down a little bit because all you want to do is the passion stuff you don't want to have to sacrifice any of that art just to make sure you get that you know, you might want that fantastic shot. You can see it, but that's not what the client was wants at all. So all of a sudden it might be like, oh, I just don't want the money then. I don't care. I just want to be this true artist. You've got to find that balance. And sometimes it might be just that you just want to keep that profit coming and what you're doing is good enough. It's, it's difficult. It's different for everyone. For me personally, it's pretty, pretty much all on the art. I would do what I do if I was making hardly anything, if I was just ticking by. Um, and I think that that's the only way I can function. It's the way I've always functioned. It's always about the art first uh, and money after. If we go back a couple of steps then, mm-hmm. you've been a singer in bands for many, 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 many years and now jump to band management and you're still singing as well. Mm-hmm. So do you want to give uh, a sort of a brief origin story where you started and, and what brings what brings you to the situation uh, or what brings you to this point now um as a kid growing up um listening to bands and wanting to be in them rather than just be a passive listener never never had the talent to to do drums which i wanted to do first um couldn't string a beat together and it was like well where do you go after that like just like with a tennis racket in front of a mirror. No, actually, I can't play guitar either. Um, singing, let's try that. And I was okay at it. Um, wasn't great, and I'm still not great, but like I do as very, very best as I can with what I've got. And I know I'm fully capable of doing it. So, yeah, so that's sort of what was my in. But then it was finding like-minded people that could do it, that were passionate about what they were doing. Again always always a struggle i've been through several bands of which you've been the drummer in one and uh yeah it is always a a juggling act of when there is no money involved uh you know you've got to be passionate about it or else you're just going to be i know and there's so many of these bands out there of just doing it for something to do um you know even if it never gets out of the rehearsal room you have to be passionate about it because if you're not, you're wasting everybody's time, everybody's time. And you'll look back on life and I think you'll regret it. So yeah, that's where I've, my, my starting point was, was I just didn't want to be a passive person listening and going to see bands. Music was something that I just adored. I thought to myself, imagine getting in a, a crappy van and traveling to Europe or even driving to London. Imagine going to London to be able to play a gig in front of five people that gave a shit. I would love that. And when that started to happen, um, again, it's all about that addictive thing. Oh, actually, it is that good. You know, that 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 was feeling great. And like, um, to, and it, I would say exactly what I was saying earlier, you know, with that financial thing, there's that financial reward where actually this is a different reward. This is like all your effort that you've put in um that art that you've made you're you're dishing out whether other people like it or not it doesn't matter because you've created that and it's something that you're really passionate about and i think 
you're going to sit back and you're going to be like, oh, do you know what? What a great time I had during that 10-month run or whatever it was. Um, and I often thought when I was younger and I'd finished my first band and that was all over, I just thought I'd achieved, already achieved all the goals in life that I'd ever want to achieve. I'd done it, sung in a band in a practice room. That, that was my first goal. Second goal, can I get a record out? I've done it. And the third goal was, can I play a gig in front of people? And I did it. And that was all I wanted out of life. And, and I achieved that. And everything now is just gravy. It's gravy, Ben. You're on a free roll now. Whatever happens, whatever happens. So I, was, I, had, I did have another question planned, but I'm just going to go back to something you said earlier on. When you mentioned that you didn't want to be a passive audience member, essentially, that wasn't good enough for you. So... At the very start, and I'm asking this because I went through the same thing in terms of being at the very start when I was playing music, um, it kind of ruined music for me in some ways because I wanted to be the, the band on stage. I was, I was just jealous of everybody who was successful because I wanted to be there. I couldn't, like you said, I didn't want to be just a person watching. I wanted to be the person on stage or, or you know, on stage with a band yeah did you feel like that um I spent the whole time what was it five years maybe that I was in my first band babies three I spent that whole time jealous and that was my motivation I wanted what other people had when I got it there was another step like right I want that I want this like how come you've got that we're better than that like what did you do to get there figure it out and then we would try and get there. Um, but again, that's that just creeped in learning other skills. Like before you know it, if you're, and again, it's all about that passion. If you are passionate enough to spend 20 hours out of two days on MySpace, you know, back in the day, just trying to figure out, right, how can we, how can we get here without looking like desperate? You know, how, how can we do this by still retaining some cool, or, or something like that that if you're not willing to do that if you're not willing to write off two days you know then you, you're not going to do it but again I really was and that, that that's when I realized oh actually I'm quite good at this managing stuff as well that I can just scroll and scroll and scroll and pick up a phone and and things like that and it's it, and I started loving that part of it because because of that but yeah being passive um it is not what I want to be because I, I was watching people on stage and I thought I'm better than that. I, I know. Why can't I be doing that? Um, so yeah, jealousy was a big part of it. And I don't think you should be um, jealous is like a really awful word, but no, it can fuel like it can fuel everything at the beginning. As long as you're not um, a, a dick about it. Sorry if we can't swear on this one, but as long as you're, yeah, sorry. <laughs> As long as you're not that guy, you know, and we all know that guy and that's awful and you'll never get anywhere. You've got to be subtle. Um, even if there's a bit of fakeness to it, you've just got to, you've, you've got to put all that behind you and just go for it. Whenever you're a bit nervous about doing something or speaking to someone, you know, just be cool about it, but do it. Mm. Um, and so that brings us all the way to where you are now. So you're still singing, but you're also doing the band management. How does that, so being passive, although you still are singing, um, 
being a band manager, you're obviously more passive than being on stage. Mm -hmm. But do you still, are you, I suppose, are you jealous of the bands that you manage because they're potentially doing really well or because you've had some kind of involvement in that in terms of getting them gigs, record deals, um, everything like that? Does that, yeah, what's, what kind of emotions are you going through now? Is it, yeah, is there a conflict or, or are you just really no. pleased that you're having a positive influence on these bands? The jealousy thing went, I think, if I was still firing on that, so yeah, if I was still getting all my gusto from that jealous feeling, I think that would be an awful place to be in like 20 years down the line. I don't think that's a good idea at all. Um, it's that and creates that initial spark, that jealousy, I think. But no, I wouldn't say I'm jealous. I, I even, no, do you know what? Even when I book a band, something that I think, oh, I'd love my band to, to do that. And yet here you are, you're on that festival. We're not. I'm really just happy for that band. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I'm very comfortable with where I am in the scheme of things. Yeah. Um, if it all finished tomorrow, as I said, I'm, I've had such a fantastic time of it. Like I've achieved every goal I wanted fine. But at the same time, I've got this responsibility for the bands that I've chosen to work with. And I only work with people that I either really think are great people or I think are great musicians and I love that music. So, you know, I just want the best for them. And if I can help them get there, brilliant. I love that. Now, going back to the, the art side of things, writing songs, writing lyrics, um, and obviously you know, putting together songs with your bandmates. And now this might have changed over the years as well. But now because of your, you've achieved reasonable commercial success with Alms in terms of you've got, you're doing tours, you're doing gigs, you're selling records. When you're writing songs, is there anything in the back of your mind thinking commercially? Or are you thinking about your fans? Or maybe you got feedback from a particular song on the last album that did really well that maybe if you replicate that could be a, a successful song on this record how much does a commercial or the business come into your songwriting now um at the beginning of ohms not at all and then it changed and again now it's not at all but there was a period where we were the hot ticket sort of thing in the underground um it only lasted maybe a year, maybe 10 months or so, but you were finding our name in the magazines and there was this build up and I hadn't had that ever before. And I didn't know how to handle that because it, as I say, it hadn't happened before. And I started to believe a bit of the, your own hype. Um, and it wasn't much, you know, I, but I'd never received it before. We'd always comfortably sold out of whatever we were doing, but we'd always do small presses, small runs, and you know small gigs but now there was some like oh do you know have you heard this band and we were always within the conversation so that was different and as i say not being sure how to handle that i thought we deserved it and that's a real weird um place to be in and took didn't didn't take it for granted is the wrong word but i honestly thought that it wouldn't end <laughs> which is weird and sometimes it doesn't end for bands but like that hype trail just lasted one album run for us and that was it and it was it was great I loved it and I loved everyone being like 
trying to message me. I wasn't chasing anyone for that period. You know, it was a, it was a good feeling, but at the same time, like I can't tell you how, why it disappeared. I can't tell you why that stopped. Um, and, that's my uh, that's my uh, next question out the window because that was going to be my next question. But carry on. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know that. That's the truth. It's one of those things. That's that little bit of magic within music. Whereas you can keep the fire burning, but it did make me think. Right, to go back to your question, where do you go from here? Like, what product should we put out? Thinking about it just as a product rather than art, all of a sudden made you second guess yourself rather than just stick with your guns. Um, which you've got to do. You can't just go go with it and roll out. Or maybe it would be better if you did. But when all of a sudden you've got like that thought should we replicate what we've just done or should we just push the envelope further and just see how it goes and that's what we did and maybe we shouldn't have maybe we should have just done you know a part two of what we did before um again it works for some bands and it doesn't for others for us we just plateaued at that point and we've been there ever since you know great great place to be as far as i'm concerned yeah, it's um and I think that's not exclusive to music, is it? Um if you if you gain some commercial success or if you're running your own business and you've worked out a way to, you know, if you're doing video if you're if you're a videographer or you're a photographer, for instance, that's gonna be the, the closest thing to to what I'm doing now and that I can explain. Um, you know, if you've got a certain look in your photos or you've got a certain look in your videos in terms of the cuts, the cinematography and that's going well and people are you know paying for that do you just carry on riding that until when when it stops and then you know trends move on and you know obviously your personal style moves on or do you constantly trying or do you constantly try and change it up but, but potentially don't have the commercial success so it's i think it's whatever industry you're in on the creative side if you're creating something your your style and your taste change and it's whether you can i suppose strike that balance we come back to it again don't we striking that balance between the commercial but also creating the stuff that you want to and creating the stuff that nourishes your soul as well yeah um exactly right i think there was there's a point and i made the decision um of what we should do next from a managerial point a people person point of view and it's why I love management so much. So on the end of this big run, we got offered a big tour of America. It meant me quitting my job, which I wasn't happy to do. Um, and it meant that for the rest of the band, there's going to be four weeks minimum where you're not in the country. Our guitarist couldn't do it. He's a teacher. That's the end of it as far as I'm concerned, because we're, we're a gang. And it's one of those things where it's like, right, then we can't do it but we can't then go to this next level there's no way that we can grab that potential so let's just do the best we can at where we are i think they're they're the little points where you just think are you happy with what you're doing are you happy with that art are you happy where you are because you know we've got an audience we can go out and we can play to 150 people and that's more than i ever wanted it, i'm not lying in any way I, that was more than i ever thought i would get and i've got there I'm really happy about that. But the, we missed that opportunity to be booking a tour where we can be playing in front of 500 to 1,000. 
every time. And, you know, just got to live with it. I'm not bitter. I'm, I'm really happy with where I am. So the last 10 years, there's been a, well, probably more than that. There's been a huge shift from um, record sales to streaming. Um, how's that changed things? For bands of our level, not at all. Not at all. The, the real money is made from physical sales when you go out and play live, whether that's your, your two weeks in Europe, whether that's a weekender in, you know, Bournemouth. Yeah, you go Bournemouth, you go Southampton, you come back and you play Canterbury, whatever. You know, that's where your money is made. Um, I remember the first time that we did that and I held like a few thousand pounds in my hand and I just thought, this is, how the hell do we do this? I've never had this much money in my hand just from one day playing a gig. It was incredible feeling. But with Spotify, with, the, with Apple, with streaming... Um, for a band our size and for bands that I manage, not not a lot. Like we, our revenue from that, and we get it all through um, third parties, so they take their cut as well. Um, it's minimal. I think sometimes you you wouldn't believe. Like I, this got played on Radio One, uh, you know, and we played this at several festivals, um, and you get more money from from playing these songs at festivals in your revenue pack than you will from having played 10,000 times on Spotify. Um, but it's all part of it. There's no denying that you want to be part of the equation. So if you weren't on Spotify, uh, if you weren't at a fingers click away, like that is devastating for a band because you need to be part of that conversation and if someone hears a review or sees a photo of your band anywhere and they want to check you out, it's the easiest, it's the best thing in the world to be able to go, right, who is this band? Do 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 done, play, don't like that, move on, you know. But what if play, oh my God, I love that. Then the world's open. I'm going to see them play live. I'm going to buy that record when I'm there, I might buy a T-shirt. You know, it's really important. Right. And I think if you're a band and you're snobby about that sort of thing, then you have to already have like nailed your niche and have an audience already there or else you're going to fail. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way um, because you, you do hear of the, the giants of the streaming world, you know, killing music and all those kind of things. However, that's a different spin, isn't it? Because if you are, if you can get on these streaming platforms, people look at you um they like what they hear they're going to come to your show which means um it's it's another way for you to be commercially successful but it's it's the uh, it's the gateway drug isn't it so yeah that's um that's really interesting paul we have reached the final three questions the first question of the big three is we actually you you've you've mentioned it in terms of your goals what you wanted to achieve but maybe looking to the future now because you've achieved those goals. But what does success look like um, for, for you in a band and also um, for your sort of overall business of, of management? 
what does success look like to you? I've always thought this, and it's really strange. I want to be an old man, so hopefully I get there, and I want to look back on my life, and I want to see that everything that I've put my time in, whatever I want to throw my hat into that ring of, I want to do the very best that I can with it. Um, and I don't want to let myself down. I want to look back when I'm old and just say, do you know what? Wow, I can't believe I did that. That was brilliant. What Wasn't that brilliant when I managed to play um, uh, Berlin for the first time and like 20 people turned up, but like they all came and said hello to me afterwards. Or what about that first time when I hit a thousand people listening to that podcast? Like what an amazing feeling that was. So it's all the same. It's all the same. It's just, I, I, if I want to put my time and my effort and my passion into something, can I make it a success? Uh, and, you know, while that buzz is there, let's do everything I can to get there. Great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's a small win sometimes, isn't it? It's it's those small goals and looking back and thinking, I did everything I could, whatever the outcome, I did everything that I could to make it the best it could be at that at that time. Mm. all right second of the big three what is the book uh, that has had the biggest impact on you it's a very recent one and it was all about podcasting um i suddenly got into podcasting and was heavily addicted from the off and what happens with me is you get really passionate about something really quickly and then it will burn out and then you're on to the next thing but some things stick and podcasting was one of those that's stuck so I got myself a mic I just thought this is going to be a doddle anyone can do this and I love talking about bollocks so here I am and then I realized I don't know what I'm doing I do not know what I'm doing so I got a book to help me through all that so the book here uh, is profitable podcasting uh, grow your business, expand your platform, and build a nation of true fans. It's by Stephen, and I'll spell his surname, W-O-E-S-S-N-E-R, Wozner, I would imagine. But the great thing about it, you start, start reading this book, and then you realize you already know all this stuff, but it's just putting it into an order. So I think if you get to any stage of your profession, uh, at the beginning, you know, because you wouldn't be that passionate about it. You already know the ins and outs. You just don't know how to achieve them. So I got, I think you can see this. I got halfway through and stopped reading um, because I was already there. I, I realized I just needed to have someone else saying, oh, actually, you're doing that all right. Just grow it and just be keep your passion going about it. And I think that's for any self-help book, for any referential book. If you're passionate about it, um, you will you will already be there you will already know all this stuff it just puts it into to uh, recognizable blocks for you and that that's what it is for me I remember band management I bought a couple of band management books exactly the same everyone's got their own style everyone's got their own niche but the the, the gist is the same and I think they're motivational books and I do whenever I get into something I do buy a lot of them to like figure out what I need to do you don't need them really they're just there to like make you go yeah you're all right you're doing you're doing things right so my answer to that is that it's not really um 
a guide out there to do exactly what you want to do because if you're just following exactly what someone else has done it's going to not be good just just have them there as a, a reference point and you know i do every now and again come back to it and i just think okay yeah okay i'm following that good but really you don't need it just follow that passion follow that goal so that's that's um an, an interesting answer so i asked for the the, the best book or the, mm -hmm. the the most gifted book and he said yeah well i've got halfway through it <laughs> 100% true but, but it's but what is a really interesting part of that is that and I've been in that situation as well is that and I think we're quite we're quite similar in terms of um, being quite impatient if you're passionate about something you'll just go um, you'll go all in um, for, for months um, and thinking that reading books and watching videos is a waste of time because I just want to get on with it but so so by the time you get to the book or you get to that video or you get to your research you think oh, okay well I've, I've done that i've done that because the radar that you know the passion radar or that enthusiasm radar will kind of take you to where you need to be um but exactly. sometimes you need that authority figure to say oh, okay yeah you, you're in the right kind of space paul we're on to our last question in one sentence what one piece of advice would you give a person starting in your industry um podcasting would be uh, the real important advice would be learn how to edit um 100 you'll listen to a podcast out there and if they haven't edited things properly uh, unfortunately i do mine after midnight so i'm very tired and there's always mistakes when i listen back but my podcasts go on for five hours sometimes so so i i get that um for band management um you my oh, i don't know if it's advice but you need to know people management it's not necessarily anything to do with band management it's people management because if you're already there you already know all the stuff you need to know about actual music management it's just people you need to know people and for music don't let anybody tell you that it's not good enough that's it it wouldn't be a podcast if i didn't give you a call to action so it would be amazing if you could subscribe and also spread the word all social media links and details of the podcast are in the show notes have a nice one and i'll see you next time for another episode of squaring the circle